Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line. Roger, hi. Hello, Deborah. How are you? I am so happy to have you here. So Roger is going to share something with us that he has deep knowledge of, and that is government contracting. And he's going to talk to you very broadly about how to get a government contract. And again, broad points. Roger has deep knowledge, but he's willing to share with us just some broad points about how to get a government contract. Yes. Thanks so much, Roger. Hey, thanks, Deborah. Thanks for having me. Um, I've been in government contracting for a little while. And so the first thing you have to do on the broad point of government contracting is the government has a registration check called SAM, SAM.gov, which is S-A-M dot G-O-V. So the first thing you have to do is like, once you get your company name through the secretary, in the state of Georgia, you go to the secretary of state and register your company. Once you do that, then you go to this government website called sams.gov and you register your company. And you got to make sure you have a DUNS number. You got to make sure you have a website. Make sure you're going to know exactly what your company is going to do. And once you register your company in SAMS, then the government will come back and give you a DUNS number. So what D- number? DUNS, D-U-N-S, DUNS number, D-U-N-S. Dunn's number. And that's the number you're going to get. It's almost like your tax ID number, but it's separate from your tax ID number, which I'll go back to in a minute. Your Dunn's number and cage code, once you put C-A-G-E, it's called a cage code. All this is government, um, uh, government stuff you know once you get into the system. You got to have that done before you even begin to get into government contracting. So once you do all that, while you're waiting for the government to approve you to be a government contractor, you need to make sure you have a tax ID number, you know, and get your tax ID number from the Internal Revenue Service, IRS. That's where you go, get your tax ID number. So once you do all that, the next thing you want to do is um, you want to find out what do I want to do and, and what, what am I selling? To find out what you're selling the government, like say if you want to do just manage government contracts, big uh, management, general management administration, that's something called a NAICS code called the North American Industry Classification System, N-A-I-C-S, but they call it NAICS code, North American Industry Classification System. And so you're going to log to a website called, it's going to be spelled like this, N-A, North American, I-C-S dot G-O-V. That's where you go. And just say if you want to do staff augmentation. And this government system, you'll put in staffing, right? Let's put in staffing. Then the six-digit next code is going to come up. A next code might be 541-611-611-210. And then that's the code that once they give you your DUNS number and they're approved to do government contracting, those are the codes you put it on your website and you put in your SAMS.gov system. And why is that important? That's important because in order for a contracting officer or contracting specialist with any federal agency of the federal government, they can go in and put that code in that system. They can say, how many companies out here doing staffing, right? And then so that's how your company comes up. It might be Axiom Corporation, might be Wisco, might be Hornet, 
You know, it, it might be CB Strat. And then once you do that, that's how they can get in touch with you. But it's not just them getting in touch with you. It's you being proactive. There's this thing called a capability statement. So in the federal government, in order for you to market your company, you have to have something like the capability statement. And your capability statement, you're going to talk something about who you are, what you do. It's kind of like your business card, but a, but a two-page document just basically showing what your website is going to say, right? So you're going to, your capability statement is built off of your website, but it's kind of like your, or your calling card where they can come in and say, okay, Roger House at Action Corporation, we looked you up in the system and we see that you do staff augmentation. Can you email me your capability statement? So in your capability statement, you're going to have a section that talks about, about Action Corporation or about your company. Then you're going to talk about your core competencies. So what that is is just saying we might do uh, medical coding. We might do staff augmentation. We might do information technology. Uh, we might do something like business management services, program and project management. That's where they know what all the core competencies that your company does. Because, because they say they're looking for somebody who do staffing. They might also have an opportunity for you to do program and project management. They might also have an opportunity for you to do some training, you know, where it's soft skills training, where it's hard skills training. They might want you to do some facilitating, right? So your capability statement, you're going to talk about who you are for about Axiom Corporation or about the name of your company, XYZ. You're going to list your core competencies, meaning what you do. This is what we do. And then you got to listen now, your past performance, which means where have I done this at before? Because the biggest thing about breaking in, the most difficult thing I would say about getting the government contracting is, 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 is it's a catch-22. Because you want to do government contracting. They're going to ask you, okay, you want to come and do government contracting, but where have you done staffing at before? Where have you done program project management at before? Where have you done training at before? Where have you done medical coding at before? So it's difficult because now you say, well, man, I want you to give me an opportunity to do it. But they're telling you, well, where have you done that before? So you have to have a section on your capability statement about past performance, meaning that, oh, I did training. It doesn't have to be government training. I did training at, you know, Georgia Tech. And I did the soft skill training. So I taught the classroom how to do PowerPoint presentation. I, I taught them how to do uh, Excel spreadsheets and everything. So you put that on there and say, I did it for Georgia Tech. I did it for Georgia Southern. You know, I did it for Georgia State. Oh, I did it for the city of Atlanta. So now you have past performance. And what people have to realize is that it doesn't have to be past performance with the federal government. It can be past performance with anyone, you know, that you have done this work. You just got to prove that you have done it. And it can't be more than three years. It's three years or less. Anything past three years, they get a little edgy about. It, you know, so when you put in there, you got to put in less than three years. Then they're going to ask you, just like your resume. So basically, again, this capability statement you got to have, is like your resume for your company. It's basically what it is, right? Then you tell them that. Then you're going to ask you another section that you need to put in. Who are my major clients right now? Like, who have you done this? Yeah, you get your past performance, but who are your major clients now? You can say, oh, I do this for Marta. My major client is Marta. It don't have to be anything specific either. It can be I, at the CDC. I do administrative support, support, administrative support services for the CDC. 
I do training at Martyr. I, I help uh, the city of Roswell with their uh, diversity program. It can be I for the veteran affairs, I do all the medical coding. So it's another section you have to put on your capability statement. And then we talked about your NAICS codes. Once you go into that system, NAICS.gov, that's where you put in. If you're trying to find what your five, your six-digit NAICS code is, just say for staffing, it's a different NAICS code. Just say for medical coding, they all got their own separate NAICS code. And it's important that you put those NAICS codes on your capability statement because when they go into the system, they want to see that, and that's how they're going to find you. So you put it three places. You're going to put it in that sams.gov, your next code. You're going to put it on your capability statement, and you also your business card. So your business card also in the federal government is a little different than a normal business card in the real corporate America world. Everything has to be uniform. Your website has to match your capability statement, and your business card has to match your capability statement, meaning that Whatever next code you put on your website, your capability statement, it's crazy, but they want to see that on your business card. This is why. Because you're at a conference, say, every year up in Washington, D.C., which what I tell people who are trying to get into government contracting, there's one conference I tell people to go to. It's called the Government Procurement Conference. And you can remember this because they have this conference every April. Every year in April, it's either going to be like the 14th, the 15th or the 16th. And Raj, why do you remember that? Because April 15th, before COVID, is when taxes are due. And I always joked about how they always have this conference in Washington, D.C. at the Downtown Convention Center on April 14th, 15th, and 16th every year. And they've been doing it for, I think, the last one I went to, they've been doing it for 31 years. So next year will be the 32nd year because I'm looking at my book. I just went to it. So, um, you want to have, because we had your business card out, who's contracting officers and contracting specialists, no matter where you're at. The first thing they do, they take your business card, they probably go back to their desk, and they type in your next code. And what they do, they all have their own system as well. You know, each, each like the CDC, Department of Commerce, Department of Education, HUD, Ginny May, Air Force, Army, Navy, Marine Corps, they all have their own separate systems that tie into the SAM.gov system. So why are the next code so important? Because they're going to type that next code in. I'm looking for a company who can do management services. And just say for general management, that next code I know by heart is 541611. So they'll go and type in 541611. They say, I want a, a, a woman-owned company that's headquarters in Atlanta that's maybe 15 miles from CDC. They'll put all that in. And every company that meets those credentials, meet those criteria, those requirements will pop up on her screen. And then he or she would then reach out to you and say, hey, can you email me your capability statement? I got your business card at this conference, but now I want to see your capability statement. Oh, I see your website. Now, a lot of these things should already be in SAM.gov. They should be able to go into SAM.gov and see your website, see the location of your company, and see your next codes. But you know how many companies do government contracting? Hundreds of thousands. And so you know how many contracting offers and specialists there are throughout the whole federal agency? Maybe 30,000 of them. And you think you're so special that they're going to remember your company? No, nobody is. So what they're going to do is go and take your company company information and put it in their system, and then your company is going to come up. Then they're going to reach out to you. 
Here's another broad tip about government contracting. Back when I was full-time in government contracting, my wife didn't like it, but she likes new shoes. My phone was never off. How did she get new shoes? By me winning contracts, right? So my phone was never off. Uh, make sure your mailbox is not full. Make sure your phone is always on. And make sure you have some type of sense of urgency. Here's why. Because your competition pool is huge. Okay. And so say if they call Roger House, I don't answer, they're going to call Deborah next. Deborah knows they're going to call Ken Smith because there's a plethora of people out there who meets those requirements. And so they want to call someone to be proactive, who got that sense of urgency, who's going to always be available to them. And they want to feel like they're your only client. Now, they talk to you, get a hold of you. They say, okay, Mr. House, uh, glad to talk to you. We saw you updated your, everything in SAMS is up to date. We saw that you've been approved by the Small Business Administration as a minority-owned company. And since this contract is probably going to be on the $4 million, we can sole source this contract to you. Now, what a sole source means, high level, broad level, is that there's no competition. Mean that they know you, they got, they trust you, you have access to, they like you, they know you because you have talked to them. T A L K, the talk concept. Then they say, we're going to send you a RFP, which request for proposal, or RFQ, request for quote, meaning asking you, you say you've done this before, so we're going to see some questions basically. You answer these questions and you tell us where you've done that before and tell you how you can do it for us. And then also, what's your price? Now, this has always been my biggest hard bar with the federal government. They already know they have a budget, right? They already know that we aren't going to spend $30,000 on this contract for somebody to come in and do soft skills training. Now, you would think, as I argued before with them about this, they'll be like, hey, you know, Roger, I know you, you know me, I trust you. This contract is only worth $30,000. So can you do it for $30,000? That's not how they do it. You know why? Because they got this thing called... Um, L A L A lowest L P T A lowest price technically acceptable. It's the government, remember? So they saying so, and they might say, okay, we're gonna get three quotes. We're gonna get a quote from Deborah LLC, Roger LLC, and Action Corporation on this opportunity. So Deborah, can we we all talk to them? We give a K Builder briefing. We all send our proposal and our cost to do that work, right? And they say, okay, well, it's an LPTA, lowest price, technically acceptable, meaning that we all pass the written test basically saying that we all can do the work, and they know that. We all can do this soft skills training. We all can teach people, 10 people in a room, how to use PowerPoint, Excel, Word, the whole Microsoft platform, right? And so Deborah LLC come in, and she said, oh, I can do it for $35,000, Right. Roger House come in, so I can do it for $30,000, which is still within budget, so Deborah's over budget. But then Action Corporation come in and say, oh, we can do it for $28,000. You know who gets the contract? Axiom Corporation, because they came in at the lowest price, technically acceptable. So you, it's just how it is. It's government, because it's government. You know, we hear people say this term all the time, good enough for government work, because that's where that comes from. Like, you know, we sometimes with certain things, they're not willing to pay a company who's probably put, submitted the best proposal, but they had the highest price. You know, if they all can come in and teach how to do PowerPoint, and this guy's going to do it for $28,000, even though our budget is $30,000, one guy said $30,000, one guy said $32,000, let's give it to the guy for $28,000. That's how yeah. government contracting works. Yeah. And that's yeah. on the, you know, soft skill things. 
Now, when it comes to like, I mean, maybe back up. When it comes to like building ships, missile defense, it doesn't work like that. But I'm talking about small level contracts for small businesses and everything. Right. That's kind of how it works and everything. Well, it sounds like um, you've shared with us the importance of, first of all, understanding how to enter the system. And you've started to talk to us about how to um, offer up your bid to do it. And overall, what I'm hearing is that you have a whole lot more that you could tell us. Yeah. Um, because you sure have a lot of experience and I know you do, but from what you have told us from this incredible span of experience, there are three fundamentals. A really important fundamental is to get that N-A-I-C-S code. Yes, ma'am. And then it seems really critical that you're clear about that NAICS code and that you are able to use that to make your um, capability statement and to be clear with anyone who pulls you up in the system what it is that you do and why you are competent at it because of your past performance, which can't be more than three years old. And it doesn't have to be with government, but you have to to show that you can demonstrate past performance and who your major clients were. And then you have to be sure that you have your information on your website, that N-A-I-C-S code, which is everything. Yes on your business card, on your website, and that you are in sam.gov. Yes, ma'am. But probably the most important thing I heard was that you take that business card and you go to that government procurement conference. So you've got until April of next year to go about the... the um, activity and efforts of fine lining the paperwork, the N-A-I-C-S, mm-hmm. to go about doing that and really have, making sure all of your letters are in a row. Um, you could say ducks are in a row, but it yeah. really is letters. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, mm-hmm. that, and when you show up for that conference, that you have very clear focus around who to talk to and what to tell them so you can get into their system and then you are ready to roll and to do government work. There you go. And yeah, so this is really helpful just to know how to start. Mm -hmm. And there's far more involved in this. I know that Roger, but this is really helpful to just, um, you know, get people in motion. Exactly. And it's very high level. And Deborah's like that same process. There are 26 major, major federal agency plus the Department of Defense, which sub, you know, which is like Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps, Coast Guard. You know, so you got the 26 major federal agency plus DOD plus about another 75 a small federal agencies. You right. Know? Yeah. But they all rely on that in a 
And the next um, code, N-A-I-C-S? N-A-I-C-S code, yeah. sure. And they all rely on you being registered in SAMS, S-A-M.gov. That yes. is key. Yes, ma'am. Yes. So what I'm hearing you say is there's so much opportunity, but you got to get into the system with N-A-I-C-S and SAM.gov. Yes, ma'am. That's yes, the key. Sir. That's where you start. That's all right, Roger. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Anytime. Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line.